Heavenly Father, thank you that we can worship you. That we can give thanks and praise to the Lord our God. That we can declare your goodness and your greatness. That we can proclaim you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. That Jesus, you are the one who came, who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again. We thank you for that. That we are free to worship you because of what you did for us, and because of who you are, the Son of God, the ransom for all mankind, just as Ray reminded us. The only one who can bring peace. You are the Prince of Peace, and we thank you for that. I pray now that you just open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us today. And Lord, that you would use me as an instrument to bring your word to us. Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you are saying and not what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, as I said at the beginning of the meeting, um, today we get back to Lessons from the Life of David series, and I'm picking up from where we were two weeks ago looking at David fleeing from Saul. Saul pursues him and ends up prophesying in the presence of Samuel and a group of of prophets and doesn't get to capture David. David comes back to see Jonathan, and Jonathan continues to plead David's case before his father Saul. But Saul is too fixated on killing David, so Jonathan tells David that it would be very unwise for him to return and continue serving Saul, and that he should flee and stay away from his father. David is alone and on the run once more. He passes through Nob and gets Goliath's sword from the priest at Nob, as well as the bread of the presence from the temple, and continues on his way. He goes to Achish, the king of Gath, but Achish's men remind the king of how the woman of Israel sang about David slaying the tens of thousands. So David pretends to be mad, and Achish is not impressed by David. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David has been on the run on his own, even though he pretended to the priest at Nob that he had men with him, until he comes to the cave of Dullam, and there he is joined by his family and numerous other men, totaling, uh, totaling nearly 400 men. Now, biblical scholars and explorers do not all agree where the caves of Adullam are. There is the city of Adullam, which has got the little red underline mark on it, if you can see it there on the map, southwest of Jerusalem, and there are caves in the area, but they are damp and hot and humid and not suitable for human habitation, but are the homes to bats and scorpions and flies. There are caves southeast of Bethlehem that are far more suited to human habitation than some scholars believe 
And some scholars believe these to be the cave of Adullam. It's sort of where I put the, the star there. Um, that's more or less where they think it is. Fawcett's Bible Dictionary says this about these caves. The cave's mouth can only be approached on foot across the cliff's edge. It runs in by a long, winding, narrow passage with cavities on either side, a large chamber within with very high arches, has numerous passages to all directions, joined by others at right angles and forming a perplexing labyrinth. The air within is dry and pure. David's familiarity with it as a Bethlehemite would naturally lead him to it. David, as, as the young, young boy, as a shepherd, those would have been the areas that he would have been exploring and, and going around with, with his sheep. So he would have known those caves, not the caves near the city of Adullam. So David's family joined him in the cave at Adullam, along with a ragtag bunch of people. People who are in debt, are discontented, and are in distress. Not really a bunch of people that you would normally choose to hang out with. And David becomes their leader. Scripture says there were about 400 men. There's no mention of the women and children that we can assume were there too. So often in the Jewish culture, they just count the men. The women are there with them, but they don't get counted. I don't know why, but that's what happens. The men would not have left their families behind to come and hide out in the caves. They would have brought them with them. This is not a band of brothers ready to go out and conquer the world, or at least their local surroundings. This is a group of people who are so desperate to get away, they were willing to live in a cave away from their normal comforts and surroundings. How many people are there today who are living lives in distress or in debt or are discontented with their lot in life? There are many, many people living like this today in this country and in many other places of the world. Where do these people turn to get help? In this country, most of them look to man for their help. Most of them are fortunate that they can look to the government to provide the help and support that they need. And where the government fails, they can then look to charity to help them, charities. In many other countries, there's not this type of support like there is here from the government and from the charities that they can look to and have people help them. As the church, do we have a responsibility towards these people? What does Scripture say? When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? 
And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we, the church, should be at the forefront of giving help and support to those in debt, those in distress, and those feeling discontented. The church in general is involved in giving support and help to these people. There was a time in history where the church was at the forefront of all of that. They did it, and then somehow it drifted away, and it became the thing the government had to do or took over. But in this last while, the church has risen up again, and we've found our rightful place once more in history. I believe that many of those who are feeling discontented have succumbed to the lies fed to us by the marketing industry that bombards us constantly with advertising that shows us our lives would be so much better if we only had the latest or the best of this, that, or put the dots. You know, you can add whatever you want in there. You know what I mean. You know, if you only had the best or the latest of this, how up-to-date is your, is your mobile phone? Is it the latest model? Do you have the latest television set in your house? You know, if you only had this or the latest car, have you got the best of it? That's what the advertising world says to us. And then we have social media that bombards us with famous people. And I put it in inverted commas. Living these amazing lives, again in inverted commas. And people compare their lives to those famous people and feel like their life is not worth living and become discontented. Marketing. Gimmicks. How do we counteract these lies from the devil and help these people? Because that's what they are. They're not the truth. Possessions and that don't bring peace into our lives. They don't give us fulfillment. They can help in some ways. But that shouldn't be where our fulfillment is found. We have to show them what living an abundant life looks like. We don't have to believe the lies of the devil and strive after obtaining things, possessions. We can have peace and live an abundant life wherever we are and with whatever we have. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 10.10 10. I came, that's Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. With Christ in our life we have an abundant life. And we can live in peace because of Him. It's not about what we have or where we go or where we live or what we own or what we drive or what we possess, but that we have the peace of God in our lives that Ray spoke about during communion. That we have the peace of God in our lives and that we are content with what we have where we go, where we live, what we own, because we know whose we are. We know whose we are, and also who we are in Christ. And He gives us His peace that surpasses all understanding. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication, some translations say petitions, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Only the peace of God can do that. Distress and anxiety are not from God, but from the devil. And when we bring all that is happening in our lives to bring us into the stress and anxiety and give it to God through prayer and petitioning with thanksgiving and leave it with God, not going back to pick it up and think, I can deal with it. Leaving it with God. Totally leaving it with God. We will have the peace of God in our lives. It might take a few attempts to get this right. Because so often we give the problem to God and then we go and try and, de- try and deal with the problem ourselves. Instead of leaving it in God's very capable hands. I mean, how many times have we done that? We've had a problem, got troubles, and we pray about it, we give it to God, and then we go back and try and deal with it. When we meet someone who is distressed or anxious, we need to listen to them. They need to know they're being heard. We need to ask them if there's anything we can do to help in any way. And then we need to pray for them. And if possible, pray with them bringing all their worries and anxieties to the Lord, thanking Him that He will take care of it. Don't ever just say to someone, I'll pray for you, and then don't pray. When you say, say to someone, I'm praying for you, make sure you are praying for them. But if it's, it's better if you can actually pray with them. Somebody's got a problem, somebody's in trouble, somebody's distressed, somebody's anxious. Ask them, can I pray with you? And do it there and then. That's the best time to do it that they can hear you speaking to God and know that they too can speak to Him. So, pray with them. We can offer a listening ear and any practical help that we're able to do, but most importantly, we need to provide spiritual help to them through prayer and anything else the Lord leads us to. Because when we're praying for them, God will show us things that we can do for them or in ways we can help them. We need to do that. Now, locally... In our community, yeah, we have Renew 23 Wellbeing Cafe that runs every Thursday in the entrance foyer at Purley Baptist Church. It's a Purley and Kenley Churches Together initiative. And it's a place where it's okay not to be okay. It is for anyone who just needs a safe place to feel safe, where there are people who can talk to if you so wish. It's not a counseling center, just a place for you to be yourself amongst others who also need a safe place to be themselves. There is tea, coffee, and cake that's provided, and lunch is provided to those who are there over lunchtime. It's an amazing place to go if you are struggling. And there are so many people that have come in there. I mean, Jill can tell you she serves there regularly, that there are people that when when they first came in were a bit of a wreck. And now you meet them, and you'd never know that they had been there because they had problems in their lives. And they are dealing so much better with them. Because there are people there that will listen to them, hear them, let them speak. And there's times of prayer, three times during the 
during the course of the day that they are there. There's prayer times, and they pray into situations. And then we also have our very own Grow Baby charity, which collects and gives away clothes and equipment for children from birth to five years old. It's open to anyone, not just those in need. But the majority of the people who come to, to get are those who are experiencing financial difficulties for various reasons. Many of them are not able to access funds from the government because they're refugees or they, they've come in from another country, some of them illegally, but they're trying to sort out their status. And they're all wonderful people. As I said earlier on in the meeting, I got to serve on Tuesday, go along and help. And it's just so good to be there every, every now and again just to be able to go and help out and be there and see the people and meet the people. Some of those who came to receive in the early days of Grow Baby and even more recently now come to serve. And that's so wonderful. And one of the things of Grow Baby is before somebody leaves, they get prayed for. They get prayed for. And often, for those that come fairly regularly, because babies grow so quickly, they're changing clothes quite regularly. They're there regularly to get and to give back the clothes that they've used that are no longer the right size for the babies, when they've been there, they will wait and not go until they've been prayed for because they know they're going to get prayed for. And it's wonderful to see that. We also have the Pearly Food Hub, which the box is in front, and it gets filled just about every week. And it's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful that it gets filled, but it's not so great that we have to have one. Again, it's a Pearly and Kenley Churches Together initiative. And it's been going for over 10 years now, which is a sad state of affairs. It provides food for those in financial need for whatever reason. It is sad that in a first world country like ours that we have to have a food hub in Purley. And the food hub does an amazing job of giving away and blessing, not just people that come to it, but other places that are, that are short of, of food, other food, food banks, food hubs, food stops that they are blessing to that. Now, thank you for those that bring regularly and put stuff in the box. And when it comes to helping those who are in debt, the greatest example of the church helping is CAP, Christians Against Poverty. They are the leading charity in this country in helping people get out of debt. And not only do they help people get out of debt and stay out of debt, they're also involved in sharing the gospel message of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure of the statistics of what percentage of people that cap help with debt come to faith in Jesus Christ, but I believe it's a very high percentage. And it's something where it was started by a man who was desperate, and the church helped him to get out of debt, and he saw, and God spoke to him about helping others. And it's amazing. And there's debt centers here in, in the Pearly area, um, churches that do it. We don't run one in our church, but there are churches. Christ Church across the way, they do it. Um, there's a number of Old Lodge Lane Baptist Church. They, they help with that. So there are people in the area. And if you know somebody or encounter somebody who's dealing with that, and you're not sure where to send them, speak to us, and we will point you in the right direction. There are other organizations that help people to get out of debt, but not many of them share the gospel with them. We are living in times much like David in the cave of Adullam, where there are many people in our, in our own sphere of influence who are either in distress, in debt, or discontented. And God is calling us to be like David and take them in and help them in whatever way we can. 
We cannot turn our backs on them. Otherwise, we will be like the goats. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. We do not want to be among that lot, that lot, do we? We need to be like the early disciples of Christ and be willing to share whatever we have with those who do not have. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I mean, that is an incredible portion of Scripture. We don't live like that, unfortunately, but there are many people that do give sacrificially, and it's something that we all need to aspire to, to be hearing from the Lord. When we have and we see others that don't have, it's to ask him, what can we do to help them? Have I got anything that I can sell off, give away, whatever, and bless others with? So that there are no needy among them. God wants us to live generous lives, trusting him for our provisions and for hearts that are willing to give away whatever God has blessed us with when we see someone in need. We need to be people with open hands, not holding on to anything God has put in our hands. When our hands are open, God can add and take away anything. But when our hands are closed, He cannot add or take away anything. And we are the losers, not God, because He will find someone else who is willing, someone else who has open hands, and they will provide for them. He will use someone else amongst his people to do that. The church needs to be like the cave of Adullam, where everyone is welcomed and everyone is accepted, and there God can build us together to become a mighty army that can stand against anything the devil tries to throw at us. Amen. <clears throat> Some discussion questions? First one, as it always is, well, it comes from me. What stood out for you in this message? Okay, what did God speak to you about in this message? What did he remind you of in this message? Secondly, how are you involved in helping those in debt, distress, or discontentment? If you are, if you aren't, what can you do about it? Is there something else that you could be doing to serve and share the good news of Jesus Christ to those in the cave? those that are in debt, distress, or discontentment. And then pray for one another. Okay. For those of you online, thank you for being with us. I trust that you will consider these questions and uh, discuss them if you're with someone.